This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. for Holy Communion, and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. These words of Christ speak to our consistent call as Christians to pray. If you noticed in the baptismal service a little earlier, it was a service full of prayer. The expectation behind our prayers are important. Now, there's two ways we can approach this verse from our Lord Jesus Christ in terms of our prayers. The first manner to approach it is the magical or the mechanical manner to pray. This is really the lazy approach. This lazy approach does not want to do the hard work it takes to fight resolutely against the world, the flesh, and the devil by the power and the help of Christ with persistent consistent prayer. This approach gets frustrated that prayer isn't simply an on-off switch. The second manner is the patient manner of prayer, the faithful manner, knowing our prayers are in the context of God working in the long term with us in a growing manner. Ideas associated with this form of prayer are nourishing, equipping, building up, endurance, This is counter to the culture around us that only wants quick and short-term fixes. We have to be very cautious, though, even with the language of the baptismal service that we just went through this morning, that it not be taken in the quick manner, not be taken in the magical or the mechanical manner, that simply because the right words were said and the right actions were taken, Lorelai magically is in the door with no further expectations of her or her parents or her godparents. No, this was not the case in the prayers and the baptism today. The opposite's true. Today, we in going stream of the world and a culture around us did something that has her entire life in view into eternity. May we on this wonderful day meditate upon our passages from Ezekiel and John to seek how God works in his love for us and how we are called to respond with a lifetime of loving service to Christ. First, we see throughout our lesson in Ezekiel today an emphasis on the work of God for his people. The statement, I will, from God in this passage is found 14 times. This statement has purpose behind it. Coming from God, it is a definite. It is not a maybe. It is important to note that on pages 461 and 62 of the service of baptism, the parents and the godparents answered two questions this morning on behalf of Lorelei with these words. 
I will. By God's help, and I will. God being my helper. As human beings, we of course need help. Only God can say, I will, with full assurance. He always follows through where people have difficulty following through. Our passage in Ezekiel 36, 25 opened in the following manner. I will sprinkle clean water on you. The results of this work of God are found in the last parts of verse 25. And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. In holy baptism it is important to know and to own this imagery. God takes sin seriously. In such, God alone deals with our sin properly and eternally. For us, our obedience to submitting to a practice commanded by Jesus Christ in, in baptism is important in the life of the Christian. See, Christ cleans us. We cannot clean ourselves we are unable. Just as a baby or toddler relies solely on someone else to bathe them, to clean them, we rely solely on Almighty God to bathe us in the waters of baptism. Related to the cleansing action of God, we find in verse 26, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. After the cleansing, we see that it is not external, meant to look good on the outside while the inside remains rotten. No, God works upon us, within us, throughout our entire lives, beginning at baptism. God creates a new heart within us in his timing, a heart that will seek him, a heart that will seek his grace and help every day of life. Verse 27 of our Old Testament lesson continues, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God gives us his body, the church, to work and equip toward walking and obeying these statutes of God. Again, as I noted at the start, this is not magical. This is not mechanical. All of life for the Christian is spiritual warfare, if you will, against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We see this throughout the baptismal service. We in this service own the point that God's work within us requires us to submit to his work for life. God works, God's work upon us in terms of our passage in Ezekiel closes with this in verse 28. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This work of God does not end with setting us in a place. The place he places us, the church, finds continuous nourishment and fostering by God throughout our lives, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, in terms of the entire church. As verse 30 states, I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant. God does all of this through the means of grace he's provided in this church. In the baptismal service, we take stewardship of God's work in the lives of the baptized. 
We promise today to be good stewards of God's love and grace of this child. The reality of our lives on this side of eternity is that we face a fallen world full of sinners, redeemed sinners and unredeemed sinners. By his promise, he will increase his church. He will increase his body. As we read in verse 37, thus says the Lord God, this also will I set, let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, to increase their people like a flock. Through everything, we can look to each day and each step ahead as Christians with this assurance from Jesus at the end of the gospel today. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God through Jesus Christ has defeated this world. And the aftermath of this defeat with the spiritual warfare we face in this life, we come to our response to the loving work of God in obedience to build up his church. Baptism is important in submitting to this cleansing work. We see it as the church and, and we affirm it through submission. For the baptized, we look upon this symbol of Christ's cleansing of our sins with reverence, awe, and yes, a commitment to give everything to Christ. Yes, even to give up our sins to him through repentance. Do we rebaptize every time we sin? The answer simply in church history has been no. God has given us his supper, Holy Communion, where we will come to him in a few moments anew to partake, to confess our sin, to hear again that our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ alone. See, part of the presentation of the gospel is to hear the gospel anew for each and every one of us every time we come to the Lord's table. In his communion, we find renewal. We find nourishment to bear his fruit. Verse 31 states, in close concert with how we deal with inviting people to confess their sins in the service, as we will do in a few minutes. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. This seems like a downer. If God has done all that he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, why is it important to still deal with sin? Why place an invitation to do the unpopular thing of getting upon our knees to confess our sins to God publicly? Due to the presence of sin in our world and within us, we need to remain rooted and grounded in Christ to seek him in confession and to hear anew that we are forgiven. Further, in 1 John 1, 8 and 10, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The life of the Christian is full of spiritual warfare, contending for the faith by confronting sin within 
and in the world around us through the presentation of the gospel. Yes, it's difficult. It is hard. If we think it is just saying a quick prayer to deal with deep spiritual issues and it will go away from us magically or as fast as it takes us to download an app on our phones, we will be disappointed. That is not how God has us in faith. As part of the baptismal service states, and token that hereafter she shall not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified and manfully to fight under his banner against the sin, the world, and the devil, and to continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant unto her life's end. We are the recipients of the wonderful, steadfast grace of God. This is not something that's mechanical or magical. But it is, it is growing. It is long-term. It is eternal. The imagery of the prophet Ezekiel and throughout God's word about following God has the long haul in mind. This is why our passage in Ezekiel speaks of the discipline of things such as shepherding sheep, farming, building cities, and fortresses. This is why Paul in Ephesians uses the imagery of the soldier, a occupation, a long-term occupation. The imagery of God restoring his people and flock has this in mind from verse 35 of Ezekiel 36. And they will say this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. It is our role as the church to use what God has given us in the church to beautify, to maintain our properties, to be places where the worshipers can come and worship, places of refuge, peace, calm, nourishment. This is all to build us up to go forth once again as soldiers of Jesus Christ, not with the weapons of this world that are meant to destroy but with the word of Almighty God applied with gentleness and respect to all that we encounter, all that need rescue and salvation. I recently saw a video, a video of how many churches in Ethiopia and areas where deforestation occurred under communism have replanted native trees and plants and so forth around their churches. And these are areas that just look desolate for miles and miles away around. And in doing this, in some of these churches, you see literally dozens of acres around the church that are now forests. It's the way the church was in Ethiopia for centuries. They have reclaimed this important aspect of the environment of the church. It harkens back to this passage in Ezekiel, reflecting the place for God's people to be a place of refuge, to be a place of beauty like the Garden of Eden, for peace of soul, for nourishment to grow. The culture around us paints the picture that the mall, the concert arena, the sports venue and so forth are the models for relaxation with entertainment and the quick fix as the chief goal. Many churches, unfortunately, in our culture take this entertainment quick fix model as well. 
This is not a sustaining model with the long term in mind. Buildings with entertainment as the focal point, as we all know, do not last. They are torn down and rebuilt to reflect the needs of a new culture or a new generation. But church buildings for centuries before our time were built to remain for centuries, not a couple of decades. The way of God, as seen in his word, is the way of worship, the way of Sabbath rest in garden imagery, the imagery of the ark as we prayed in the baptismal service coming into the ark of Christ church. And that's why many churches of old and like this are built to look like the inside of a ship. Shelters from the storms of life to be nourished anew and prepared anew to go forth into this world to fulfill the great commission. We are brought into the church to worship, to hear God's word read, to preach, to teach, to pray, and to come around his table in communion. This does not take the short-term fix method. It, it takes the long-term in mind, not the immediate. In prayer on the daily level, we seek God for his ways, for his grace, to raise our children in the faith, to build each other in the faith up. This is not just an individual family's responsibility. What we saw today with the godparents and with all of us as a church, we all made these promises on behalf of Lorelai and her parents. The raising of the children in Jesus Christ is the responsibility of the whole body of Christ, the whole church. Going counter to our culture has always been the call of God's people. It is as our epistle in James 1 opened, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, doers of the word, those that listen to God's word and do his word and submit to the word of God, Concerning the way we raise our children in Christ is to see first and foremost that we, even as parents, do not own our children. The state does not own our children. As Psalm 127 verse 3 states, Behold, children are a heritage or a gift from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. See, our children are not our possession. They're not, we don't own them. Our children are owned by God. They are God's children, just as we are God's children. And this finds expression in baptism. We are called to be stewards. We are called to be ambassadors to our children, to raise them in the faith to the glory of God and God alone, and not to the glory of the parents. And this takes the grace of God. It takes the help of the church to go away from the pagan model thinking that we own the children and to the model of Christ that they are his children for us to raise and to love and to nourish for him. Everything centers upon placing our lives in the hands of God, even our children, as we witness today. This is God's work. Jesus has overcome the world so that we may have peace as we live in this life for him through facing tribulations by his power, by his grace, and by his strength.
It is freeing to know we are not owners, but stewards, conveying his word to all that we are responsible to convey this message to, starting with our families and our children and to our fellow members in Christ church, to those that don't know the Lord outside these walls. It is our responsibility, as we saw today, to be good stewards in a loving manner. Let us close with these words from our baptismal service. Receive her, O Lord, as thou hast promised by thy well-beloved Son, saying, Ask, and ye shall have. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So give now unto us who ask. Let us who seek find Open the gate unto us who knock, that this child may enjoy the everlasting benediction of thy heavenly washing, and may come to the eternal kingdom which thou hast promised by Christ our Lord. Amen.